Open Nesters podcast is a weekly podcast that explores new ways of living as our kids leave the nest. Now in season three, the podcast topics go deeper and wider in interviews with individuals, couples, and experts in areas ranging from relationships and families to adventure, spirituality, and sexuality. You'll hear from three wise, deep, insightful healers in some level that have been recovering from their addictions but have used this to really shape the people they can help. Andrea Cashman, Kelvin Young, and Didi Armstrong. Let's hear it from our panel. Welcome to the Open Nesters podcast. I have three amazing people with me today. Andrea Cashman, Didi Armstrong, and Kelvin Young, and you'll hear a little bit about them. So I'm going to go right into introducing Andrea, who was actually on one of our first season one episodes about the three passions of different couples with her husband. And through their sobriety, because this this episode is a lot about, it's really focused on recovery, um, they found new passions that were so beautiful you could look back on. And so I'm going to ask Andrea just to give you a little bio on herself and then move on to Kelvin and Didi. Hi, uh, Tessa. Thank you so much for bringing me in here to discuss this topic. Um, it's near and dear to my heart. So um, currently, I'm a, a yoga and mindfulness facilitator. And um, I, this is sort of my third chapter in in my life and in my career. Prior to that, I was in the corporate world. And then I was a school teacher. And um, what brought me into my passion for sobriety and wellness was becoming a caretaker for my parents. And at the same time, I was a caretaker for my kids. So I was in that famous sandwich generation, right? So prior to that, I had had, you know, just fun, fun, fun times in my life and, and uh, career oriented life. And then I had to devote all my time to others. And it was very stressful. And um, at one point, I'm like, I can't, I can't drink anymore because I have to go to the hospital in the middle of the night sometimes. So I was brought into um, a sober life, not on my own desire, but on a desire to take care of other people. And at that point, I realized how much better I felt, how much easier life was. Um, I slept better, um, you know, I, I eating, everything started to get easier. They call it the softer, easier way. And when my parents passed, which that did happen eventually, obviously, um, I decided that uh, being in the process that I was in helped me so much. I wanted to help others find that as well. So I did some training with um, the teacher, Nikki Myers, in something called yoga for 12 step recovery. And um, I got my yoga certification through Kripalu. Thank you so much, Andrea. Kelvin, tell us about your story. Sure. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Tessa, for this opportunity to be on your podcast and with my awesome colleagues, Andrea and Didi. Um, I really appreciate this opportunity to share a little bit about myself and hope it could be of support to your listeners. Uh, again, my name is Kelvin Young. And um, I'm a, a certified sound healer and co-founder of Soul Care Love uh, with my beautiful life partner, Maria Del Carmen, uh, which have opportunities to offer sound healing sessions to different people from all walks of life, uh, which I'm grateful for throughout the United States. Um, I'm also a recovery support specialist. 
I work with men and women um, with Hartford Healthcare. I work at a psychiatric hospital, the Institute of Living, and also work for Rushford, which is the addiction treatment center. When I work with men and women that's dealing with mental health, addiction, and trauma issues, I really help them to create a life that works best for them, not for me, not the clinicians, uh, but the individual that I'm working with. Uh, but most importantly, I'm a person that's in long-term sustained recovery, which means I've been sober from alcohol and any other drugs since March 6, 2009. And I'm grateful for my experience that I went through. Um, and I'll share a little bit more in detail a little bit later, um, but I'm happy to be here and share a little bit of my experience, strength and hope uh, to each and every one of you. Thank you, Kelvin. And Didi. Hi there. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I am a person also in long-term recovery and have four children who are adults. I grew up in a family with alcoholism in it, um, which is where this whole thing began. I am in recovery for 23 years and ended up having two masters, in one in social work and then one in addiction counseling. That last master's afterwards, I went in and started to run a program for older adults in suffering from addiction, many of whom found themselves addicts later in life after they retired. Um, I am now a coach. I work online primarily, and I do teaching with family systems uh, recovery focus. And I love it all. It's wonderful, but it's a very different environment now that we have what's going on since COVID, and a lot of us are working online. So I've been working online, which has been just fantastic, and uh, love this podcast, love this idea. So this is part of a longer interview because I thought the beginning of the year would be a great way for us to start off with a new a new sobra, sober approach, a clear, conscious approach. And these three, who you will hear much more from at the end of January, give us an understanding of the depth of open-heartedness, especially at this stage of life, how to look for signs with our kids. And we're right in the heart of the celebration period. You know, December and, and the holidays, for some people, brings a lot of joy in family. And for some people, it brings a lot of heartache and depression and hardship. And then, and then put on top of that the fact that getting caught up in alcohol and drugs in the partying and social pressure... And looking at it with new eyes, which is what I hope the longer episode will do, but this shorter piece of this interview may help you with as you go into January, it's called Dry January. And I'm going to have our experts tell you about that. Dry January, what an interesting um, concept. I When I first started exploring sobriety, I did it for Lent because I was uh, brought up as a Catholic and and um, I I thought of it only as a way to lose weight actually and um but what i learned about myself by taking six weeks of um of not drinking of being dry not um was so profound um i fought it but i really um got to learn about how much better i felt and how much more open i was to to opportunities in my life and um so, you know, mindfulness practices are really tough if you're, if you're, um, inebriated or, or using other substances. It's, um, you can really learn yourself a lot, but learn about yourself so much better. And, um, it's an opportunity. And I encourage everybody to give it a shot. Yeah. I think is, I love the concept, you know, of just exploring your relationship um, with alcohol or, or any other drug for that matter. And just seeing how 
your body feels, you know, um, for that month. And, you know, I love, you know, especially young people, they're doing this and not just in January, but they're doing it in October, March, anytime they feel like, you know, the relationship with alcohol, they want to take a break. You know, I love the fact that they're doing it. I love the fact that there's so many different types of uh, non-alcoholic drinks available or mocktails and people are really, there's a, there's a sober culture that that's growing. And I think, you know, dry January, is just um, a way for people to kind of explore you know, the relationship with alcohol and, 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 and really explore different other non-alcoholic beverages and drinks that they can really enjoy as well, too. So I, I really love the concept, you know, and I really think it, it's... um. Have you seen it work in a way toward recovery? I mean, that's what I'm actually really curious about. Is, have you seen it? It could be, yeah, if they choose that. You know, people can explore that relationship to substances and it may be intent for them to stop drinking for three days, five days, then they can really explore the relationship with that substance. But, you know, enter into recovery, that's a lifestyle. That really is a lifestyle. And, and that could be a gateway for um, a sober lifestyle. I, I believe that addiction is, is a human experience, not a human identity. Right. And rec- recovery is a lifestyle uh, for me. So it's really learning how to live. Addiction, life. Yeah. So it's more the experience. It's, it's the addiction is a human experience rather than yeah, it's a human identity. Identity. So that's you know, I, I don't identify as being an addict or alcoholic um, anymore. But I, you know, and people that I work with, I don't call them addicts or alcoholics, but whatever they call themselves is their choice. They might have been addicted to a substance or a behavior, um, but I won't label them as an addict, you know, because I know that it, that could cause more harm um, than good. And so, therefore, people that have these human experiences in their lives you know, I invite them to kind of explore that. And dry January is something that they can explore their relationship with these substances and behaviors and not identify themselves as a, as this particular label because, you know, those are stigmatizing labels. And I know stigma is one of the barriers that keep people from seeking the support, the healing, the treatment uh, that they need in order to find freedom from alcohol and other drugs if they choose to. So therefore, just, you know, having opportunities to just explore your relationship to these substances by stop drinking and see how your body feels, see how your mind feels, see how your soul feels. I think it's just a beautiful thing. It becomes your own curiosity, which is what I think we've talked about before, this whole experience of curiosity. Yeah. Didi, did you want to talk about dry January and some of these things that came up for you? Yeah, I love uh, what's been shared so far. Um, I The first time they did dry January in my recollection is after I was already sober. So I never experienced it as a person trying to quit. However, it was a very big deal in Minnesota where I lived at the time. And it became very posh and very in. And so you'd go to uh, out to dinner with your friends who always had been drinking. And all of a sudden, they're not drinking. Mm. And it was amazing. It was so much fun to be in the in, in the in crowd. You know, I mean, I've been used to it for a long time, but all of a sudden nobody's drinking. And so it changed not only for me, but for them, their sense of like, do we need alcohol? Do we need alcohol for going out and having fun? Because people were still laughing. People were still having a good time and telling jokes and having a good evening without that alcohol in their, you know, in their hand. And their bills were a little less too, which was kind of nice after the holidays. But, um, but I'll tell you the dry January piece for me, for my friends, particularly and, um, clients 
is it helps you to recognize your dependence on this drug for a social elixir, for the end of the day, calming yourself down. If you really don't like that guy you're living with and you're used to having that glass of wine and all of a sudden you got to stare at him stone cold sober every night. There's a lot of people that came to some real conclusions when they got sober that alcohol was this kind of shield between them and the pains in their life or recognizing that they had a problem. A lot of people are like, come on, I just have one drink, just like everybody else. Well, that one drink may be the size of a tumbler, but it's one drink. Um, so you recognize it. If you have to not drink for a month through all the problems and all the good times, you recognize if you have a problem often. This so it's a so beginning. important. And yeah. that's what I wanted to bring up for this new year is that we just came through the holidays I, I mean, I love to dance and I feel high when I dance. I feel high when I dance without anything in me. And I feel high often when I hear certain music. And so I don't think people give themselves a chance enough to feel their body's ability. I mean, I know that's why Kelvin does sound healing and Andrea does yoga and, and dance. And so I, though these things are something that we, we've gone through the holidays thinking that we have to do that as part of the social norm. And it's encouraging to know that that's not the case, that we are that we are, we can lead the way. I actually have the chills. Like, this is a really important discussion. Mm. But I did want to just make sure we covered that at the beginning of January for people who want to start experimenting and then can reach out to any of these guests that have been so wonderful and helpful to. Did, did anybody else have anything else you that's bubbling that you really want to share? Anyone just, else? Just really appreciate you sharing that. You know, we have an inner pharmacy inside of us that we can feel good naturally you know um you know just exercising or running we can feel good you know they even have an expression the runner's high you know um because we have these these natural feel-good chemicals within our bodies that can make us feel good naturally sex too sex Dancing. is amazing now yes. when you just sex any it. type of body movement um you know exercise you know all these different things that helps us dancing is a great one you know especially ecstatic dancing you know there's so many different ways that we can um release these natural uh, inner pharmacy that dwells inside of us. That's that's really great, Kelvin. You mentioned that um, the thing about um, addiction too is that it dulls the receptors for our natural pharmacy. You mm -hmm. know, so the the dopamine receptors um, are used to receiving their information from from this either a drug or whatever that they're taking in, rather than the natural life that can mm -hmm. really be filling you up. So that internal pharmacy, um, we can only open the doors to that if we allow it to be there, you know. Yeah. And, um, open the door and open our hearts. Thank you all thank you. so, so much for this time together. Thank you. Thank you. Tessa, this was not really related so much directly to the Open Nestor podcast where we cover other adventures, relationship, and other manners of the Act 3 of people in the emptiness that turn into the openness. But I think it's valuable information for uh, our audience to listen and understand uh, the dry January. Personally, I think it's just called uh, dry October or dry November to have people get the mindset before the holiday drinking frenzy don't you think well there is as kelvin had said young people doing these kind of things periodically as i feel like i've done detox and it's important for everyone to have that mindset 
uh, just I, the reason I think I brought this ten minute piece in because the longer interview, as you were saying, may address more specifically the family system and open nesters. But our episodes are really for all people, and this Act Three of Life, we have so many opportunities to kind of relook at our lives, Correct. and that's why looking at this idea of Dry January or sobriety and recovery and healing is always a big part of what we bring forward in the open nesters. Listen, um, my dad have drank enough in his life uh, for me to have in two lifetimes. So I kind of like, uh, I don't really drink alcohol. Uh, I'm occasionally a, a wine drinker socially, but that's about it. I saw the deterioration of my dad's uh, health due to alcohol, and that was a warning for me. So uh, I don't really get involved in alcohol so much. Uh, I know you don't either. Well, well, look, we're much more social drinkers. It's funny because we have a full bar at our house. You'd come in and think that we have like a party every day. But we we just like the idea of party, of, of having people over, sometimes sober, sometimes not. But we don't have the attachment to it that many much of the trauma Correct. that comes from people that have those addictions um, and have, ha- have to overcome it and look at it during this holiday time. Like if you're listening to this before... Before the new year, I should say, then you're going to really also want to consider how cleaning yourself in January is just such a good idea because it gives us clarity. So that's why I I felt it was good to start having a discussion of these concepts. What other things do you want to clear in your mind? And you can do it with more clarity when you don't have a foggy head with anything. If you're able to tackle these things on your own with a community, with support, going to some of the 12-step programs or to... AA to some of the uh, the Al-Anon programs if you're codependent with family members and those whole family systems which by the way DD in particular is a very seriously trained person in this area so I want to make sure that you come back and hear the, ep- the the longer episode that will be put on mid to end of January and you'll really get tips for how a family can needs to operate how it's a full family constellation that we need to understand rather than just isolating people in their trauma and issues if they have addiction. Kudos to you, Tessa, for collecting an incredible panel that is experts and have a lot of experience in the addiction. And it's very timely, very timely episode for all of our listeners, open nesters or not. It's good to be dry. Good to be dry. And, and and it's good to celebrate from what's really in our hearts. So I really hope that as you go into the new year, and I want to wish everybody a happy new year, that the new year brings more light. I keep on saying, rather than be the change you want to see in the world, Muhammad Gandhi said, be the light you want to see in the world. And that really comes from us shining our light when we really start knowing ourselves and, better. And this episode, Tessa, concludes our season three. Am I correct? It does. Yeah. So this is the conclusion of season three. We are going to an awesome, awesome season four starting in January. I hope you all join us as you had in season one, two, and three. Season four is coming. Uh, don't miss it. It's going to be an incredible one. Meanwhile, you can listen to those episodes on our website, theopennesters.com, double in the middle, S at the end, and I'm sure you're going to find a lot of material with the blogs and the podcast. So stay with us. And you can you can find us on all major podcast platforms, Absolutely. so subscribe to subscribe. us. And, and thank you for this whole, this year, the last two seasons, as you've become a listener, I just want to really 
from the bottom of my heart, from both of us, we both want to express how much you're sharing of these episodes with your friends and what's meaningful to you to help people and to elevate you and to entertain you too are really really what makes it fun for us so continue to share and please do contact us if you have someone who will be an awesome guest for our podcast or a couple in particular that are doing some some interesting things in their act three and feel free to write to me because I will write back to you or comment on our close Facebook group so that you, we can have a discussion about what is it to be in an open nest to really reimagine our lives in Act 3. Till next time, this is Amir. And this is Tessa. And we will see you in Season 4. Ciao. You have been listening to the Open Nesters Podcast, a production of Kiwi Publishing and Media. Executive Producer... Tessa Crone. Music by Yoni Avi Patat. Audio engineering by Lucid Sound. Web design and blogs, PJ Ewing. This podcast is available on all podcast platforms. To learn more about each episode and guest, please visit us at theopennesters.com. For questions or to be a guest on our podcast, email tessa at theopennesters.com.